Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. I'll be reading today from selected verses of John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go so that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by that this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank that you have thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. This is God's word. Good morning, church. You'll have to bear with me a little bit of a scratchy throat this morning and then uh, can't help myself from singing, so not sure it gets better in the lead up to the message. Um, you ever had that moment, you, we all have had that moment where we've said, man, I just need a miracle here. I need, uh, I need something to happen here. And um, if you're my five-year-old son, that would look like me coming home with a box of cookies and opening it up and just letting him eat all of it. That would be a miracle and, you know, maybe something he hadn't even expected. But uh, for some of you, the miracle you're hoping for is that your boss gets fired uh, or something like that that uh, things happen that clear a path for you. Uh, someone annoying you in your life is somehow miraculously removed or changed or something. Or maybe you win the lottery. Um, 
Um, but every one of us has things in our lives that um, we say, man, I really need a miracle. And maybe we've said it out loud, maybe we just said it in our heads, or maybe we're too scared to say it, but that's basically where we're at. Where we think, and, and regardless of where you are in your faith journey, regardless of what your background is, and we've all come to those points where we say, um, okay, I can't do anything about this. This is an immovable situation, an unchangeable situation, a seemingly perpetual situation. Either this person or this circumstance or this place in life I'm in or the sickness I have or the sickness that a loved one has or whatever it is that clearly uh, I can't do anything about it. I have tried and, and nothing's going to give. Or perhaps a, an impassable chasm, a, 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 a chasm to cross in some way that you think I have no idea how to get from here to there. I can't stay here. I need to be there, but I don't know how to get there. I, I'm at the end of myself, the end of my resources. When we come to the end of ourselves is when we say, well, man, I need a miracle. Now, for people of faith, this is a complicated thing for us because we believe in a God who sees and knows everything and is, as we have just sung, able to do anything. And so, of course, we would believe that he can do miracles. And yet, many of us, by the time we've said, man, I need a miracle, what we are expressing is not faith, but hopelessness. <laughs> sort of going, I can't do anything about this. And, and I know I should believe that God can do miracles, but I struggle with that. But now, even if, even if you're not a person of faith, maybe uh, some of you here would say, well, I, I don't actually have that belief, or you know people who don't. But, but the truth is, you might come to this point where you'd say, yeah, well, you know what, if God would do a miracle, then I would believe. Yeah, I don't believe because I don't see. But that, that's not totally true, right? Like if you walked out on your lawn this morning and blazoned in fire in the hard ground snow was, I am Jesus, believe in me. You'd be like, messed up my lawn. I gotta mess with you. You wouldn't believe that that was something that God has done. And in fact, many times in many ways, a skeptical culture can explain anything away. And so even whether you're a person of faith or not, the whole idea of God being able to intervene and do miracles is kind of a complicated one. And yet, we can't really dismiss it. And, and for some traditions of faith, perhaps the faith background you grew up in or whatever, those words weren't really talked about in your home. Miracles weren't something. We don't go to God for the impossible. We just try to follow God and be obedient and live good lives. And that's kind of what we're supposed to do. The whole realm of God intervening in some way was not really talked about in your home. Or perhaps you grew up in a home where there, this wasn't, and so you just struggled to believe in the supernatural at all, and you think, well, I just kind of go on in life without it. But miracles is one of those things that we can't actually um, avoid because it's inescapable. Like, if you're a person of faith, if you call yourself a Christian, you are a Christian because you believe in perhaps the two most profound miracles that ever took place in human history. That God became a human being and took on flesh, and that Jesus rose from the dead. That those two miracles are what your entire Christian faith rests on. So if you struggle to believe in miracles, you are in some murky waters as a follower of Jesus. Your entire faith is based on those two miracles. And of course, everything else Jesus did in between that. But that God would become a man and take on flesh through a virgin birth. So no, not the will, as, as John says, of a husband or any man, 
but that somehow a human vessel was chosen to give birth to the Son of God. Miracle number one. And then that Son of God, when he was crucified, as he foretold, raised himself from the dead. Those two miracles. Of your person of faith. You can't get away from miracles. You can't suddenly say, well, I'm not really sure God works in that way because that's actually what your entire faith is resting on. Now, you could say, well, I'm, if you're an atheist or maybe you have atheist friends, they're like, well, yeah, that's right, check out. I don't, I don't actually believe in that. But this is very interesting, right? I read a quote um, by Stephen Hawking uh, recently, and he said this. <clears throat> so some of you say, well, I can't believe in a virgin birth. I can't believe in that Jesus would rise from the dead. These are all too far-fetched. Here's what Stephen Hawking said. In defense of an atheistic faith of an explanation of how the world came to be, here's what he says. These are his exact words. The universe can and will create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing, why the universe exists, why we exist. Spontaneous creation, something out of nothing, which basically means you and I believe in one virgin birth, he believes in all of virgin birth, that everything came out of nothing. So even if you're an atheist and say, well, I struggle to believe that somehow Jesus could be born without the will of a husband, that there somehow could be life out of nothing, and yet I believe all of life actually came out of nothing. If you're an atheist, the ground you walk on is living proof of the greatest miracle of all time. You just don't know how to explain it. So every one of us is in the realm of miracles, whether no matter what our faith system is, no matter what background we came in, in fact, you could argue that the atheist faith that brought all of this to life by itself is a greater faith than you and I have to believe that actually somebody caused it or created it. So we're all in the deep here. We are all in the realm of faith and miracles, some of us more skeptical than others, on a spectrum where we don't know. So miracles are inescapable. The intervening, uncommon, breaking in work of God is inescapable. But the second reason we can't dispense of it is because every one of us needs one, two, ten. Every one of us in our personal lives or people that we are personally connected to, even as I'm talking, you have situations, whether they are physical illnesses or whether they are relational fractures, whether they are stressed relationships in your lives with parents and children or spouses or friends. Every one of us has situations we know about where unless something happens miraculous, unless God comes through, unless some provision comes where there is nothing, we can't go on or move on. Every one of us has things that we have come to the end of ourselves with and say, I can't do anything here. This is impassable, impossible. And so we can't just move away from the realm of miracles and live without it because we are in that deep altogether, no matter what our faith background is or was. And secondly, because every one of us needs one. We need God to break in. And when we talk about miracles, I mean any way that God suddenly shows up and breaks in to provide or change or heal or restore or mend those things that are broken. And yet as we sit here and talk about it as a community of faith, it brings up lots of questions for us, right? Well, does it, why does it seem like God used, some people say, why does it seem like God used to do that more uh, nowadays? Which, if you have that, you've got to read, if you can uh, get through it, there's a, Craig Keener, a New Testament scholar, has done a two-volume work, like this thick, two of them, of basically the history of miracles from everything after the book of Acts to now, all over the world, that have been attested. So you say, well, God doesn't work that way. That's just not true. You need to read. 
um, other, something other than Huffington Post to actually find out whether this is true. But we may say, well, okay, but how come it seems that God's doing those other places and not here? Or how do we know when God would? Or how do we know what is a miracle? And so it brings up lots of questions. And I thought that there wouldn't be a better passage to just kind of address that um, as we come to this um, matter of spiritual gifts. Because um, spiritual gifts are the inbreaking of God's spirit into our lives to show us all who Jesus is, right? Like that's our whole premise with this. That it, And maybe you just showed up today, it's your first time here or whatever, but we are actually going through a series that says, what does it mean that the Holy Spirit has in a sense come and lived in each of us in the church, brought us together as a body, different parts, each part unique and essential and interdependent, it is a demonstration of Jesus to the world around us and to ourselves that Jesus is alive. And in fact, Jesus said, it's better if I go, yes, I'm here, I'm in the flesh, but it's better if I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that the whole world will know who I am, that the whole world will, able, will be able to see me through the church. And so that happens through spiritual gifts. So spiritual gifts are essentially based on this premise that God will break in on us and reveal himself to us through you and I, common, ordinary, sinful, everyday people. Uh, today we're actually exploring some of those gifts that um, specifically show, like we, we've talked about the ways that, that, the, that there are gifts that do, that there are gifts that show the active doing work of Jesus, whether they're um, mercy or hospitality or giving, that there are gifts that speak like encouragement, exhortation, and teaching that also reveal the words of God. And today we're talking about gifts that demonstrate. And here's the thing, the gifts that demonstrate. There are certain gifts and what we said, you know, with those first sets of gifts, some of you is like, well, I'm just helping someone. It doesn't feel like actually Jesus is in the room. But that's what we're saying, is that we're, we're not supposed to consider some of what we do as sort of, some work is not spiritual work, it's just common everyday stuff. Well, wouldn't you just help someone if they need it? Or wouldn't you just give someone some money if they had it? But we're saying, no, that the way that the Holy Spirit works in us is that as we do these, what seem like common things, we actually have to realize, wait, I have a spiritual power when I do them because the Holy Spirit has given me the opportunity to speak words that encourage people in such a way that they feel like Jesus spoke to them. Or I have a way to give to other people that they feel like God actually provided for them. Or I have a way to invite people into my home and care for them that feels that actually God is showing his radical inclusivity of me and my family or my state in life. That all of this is actually God showing himself up, albeit in what ways you might say are common. But then there are things as in they occur in many different ways. But there are times that God breaks in in what we would call uncommon ways. No more spiritual than others, no more powerful than others, but in a way we would say, that's not normal. That's not common. In a way that we suddenly go, whoa, Jesus is in the room. So some of these gifts we do, and we may say, I'm not sure, but over time realize, no, the Spirit's actually doing power. There are other times, the gifts we're going to talk about today, where when God moves Many people, in fact, many of the gifts that were used this way were a way to testify or to authenticate to people who were struggling to believe that Jesus was who he was, that he was there. And I couldn't think of a better passage for us to, to think about this in, in John 11, the passage of the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, <clears throat> it's a story that was read for you. It's in the Gospel of John. It's an incredible miracle, right? This guy is raised to life after being dead for four days. But there's actually a few oddities in this passage that we need to note because we could look at that and go, oh, 
that's kind of crazy. I don't know if I would expect that to happen or I haven't heard of that happening or haven't happen, hasn't happened in my life and the people that I prayed for who passed away or would have never even thought to pray that way. What was going on in that passage? There are a few oddities in there that actually give us a way to understand the inbreaking work of God and how we can receive that for ourselves. First of all, when Jesus healed Lazarus, he says why he was doing it. In fact, he said he could have healed him before he died, but he waited till he died in order to heal him. Why? So that everyone would believe that he was the son of God. So there's a sense in which that the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead was that others would see who Jesus really was. He said, I'm going to do this in such a way that they will know that I am the son of God. It was a miracle for the purpose, not really necessarily out of compassion for Lazarus, although he loved Lazarus. It was not merely just a gift to his sisters, although I'm sure they were thrilled to have his life back. It was to show them and everyone around them that Jesus was who he said he was. And so here we see God breaking in in power to demonstrate the reality and authenticity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why that miracle was done in this place. That's why Jesus, twice he said, that's why. I've done this so you might see. You know, and Thomas the doubter doesn't even understand. He says, sure, let's go. We might die too. And Jesus is like, yeah, you guys need to know too. You don't understand who I am. When I break in like this, suddenly you're going to say, you're the son of God. And that's why he was doing it. But the second oddity is Martha says, or Jesus says to her, your brother's going to rise again. And she says, oh yeah, I know he'll rise in the last day because the Jews believed in a, in a future resurrection of the, of the righteous. And then he says, Jesus says a strange thing. He says, no, whoever believes in me will live, or though he die, will live, and if he, even though he dies, yet will he live. And here's the interesting thing about it. Lazarus died again. Like Jesus raised him to life but then he died. Like, he's not still alive. He's dead, just like everybody at that time. And so Jesus is saying, he's going to do this miracle, but he says, actually, there will be some who will die, and even though they die, yet will they live? What, what was he talking about? He was basically saying, look, what I'm about to do is temporary anyway. I'm going to raise him from the dead, but he's going to die again. But those who believe in me, even though they die, yet will they live. In other words, he's like, this is not as good as it will get. You get it? Every miracle of God breaking in is only temporary in this life. Right? Some of us think that, well, this is what I need to, to live, and this will make everything better. But Lazarus' sisters, if they were still alive, still mourned the day that he died. And Jesus didn't raise him to life again. The, the miracles that you and I are looking for are always temporary in this life. And in fact, you know this because God has done things in your life that has been amazing to you. But to, in this moment, the miracle you're thinking of is not that. You're thinking about the next thing that you need or something else that you need. Because any breaking in, any touch of healing, any healing that happens in your life, you will eventually die. Any healing that happens in the life of a person you're praying for, they will eventually die. Any financial provision that he gives you, you will die empty-handed because you can't take any of it with you. 
any miracle of provision, any open door, eventually all ends in death for every one of us. And Jesus says, don't mistake this. I'm about to raise him from the dead. But whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet will he live. There's another day coming, Jesus says, and it isn't now. So no matter how much I do for you now, there's a better day coming. There's a day when you will live forever. There's a day when there, I will complete all of the healing work. It's not now. It's never going to be now, but it will be one day. And he proved that not by Lazarus' resurrection, but by his own. It was the resurrection of Jesus that said, there's a day coming for everyone who is in Christ where every tear will be wiped away. Everything that is broken will be mended. Everything that is hurt will be healed. Everything that is lacking and empty will be filled. It's coming. It hasn't come yet. Jesus said, it's just the beginning now. So the hope we have in the miraculous inbreaking work of God is a little bit now, but always not yet. It will be one day. The other thing to realize, which is the third oddity in this passage, is some believed. Some. Jesus raised a dead man. Some believed. See, you think, or there's people in your life that you think, man, God, if you did this, then they would believe. Or maybe you've said to him, I'm struggling to believe because you won't do this for me. And maybe you haven't said those words, but that's where your heart is right now. You are struggling to believe in the goodness of God. And you think, well, if you did this for me, then I would believe. And if anything, the life of Jesus tells us that even when God does something that is undeniably God, there are others who say, some believe. Others, it says, went to the Pharisees and said, told them. In other words, this guy's got to die. And if you read the Gospel of John, this is where it began to turn. They went and said, this guy has to go. Really, so it should sober us a little bit to say, you know what, maybe the thing that I need most to believe is not a miracle from God. That it will still take faith, whether I get a miracle or not. And there will still be people in your life who don't want to believe. And if you don't want to believe, no matter what God is in front of your eyes, you will not give him the glory for it. So miracles aren't the solution to everything. It still takes faith to believe, no matter what your eyes see in front of you. A man was raised from the dead, and some believed, and others were more angry. And so here's what this says when it comes to a miracle, and I want you to say this out loud right here. When it comes to a miracle, Jesus can and Jesus will. Let's say that together. When it comes to a miracle, Jesus can and Jesus will. And this is how I want you to think about it. And this is how I believe we need to think about it. That when we come to Jesus, and in a few minutes, we're going to open up the doors here and give you a chance to come and receive prayer. When it comes to a miracle, Jesus can. He can do anything. And so there isn't anything you can't ask him for. Now, some of what we may ask him for, he's not going to give us because it's not good for us. But we can ask him for anything because he can do anything. There is no limits we will place on this God-man, Jesus Christ, who can break in on us and do the impossible. So we need to be a people that believe, that when we say he is the Son of God, he is Lord, he can do anything. He is Lord over the body, the mind, the spirit. There isn't any a relationship he cannot mend. There isn't heart, any heart he cannot heal. There isn't any sickness he cannot touch 
and cure. There isn't any emptiness he cannot fill. There isn't any road he cannot blaze for you. There isn't any chasm he cannot carry you across. There isn't any situation he cannot carry you through. He can. But anything that he does or even doesn't do for you is still incomplete because he says, one day I will. I will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness. You will be with me forever, but it's not yet. So I can come to him and ask him for anything because I know that he can, but I know that even if he doesn't, he already said he will. Every promise that you have been received, the scriptures say, in, G- in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. He will do all that your heart longs for to be right again in those relationships, to be, to be healed in your spirit, in your body, to be cleansed and rid of sin and addiction. He will do it. Amen? But we wait. And so we come to him as often as you have a chance to receive his healing touch, we pray. We ask him to break in. And he can, but we know that he will one day. And so therefore we have hope. We have hope even when a miracle doesn't come through. And even when we do get a miracle, we know, God, this isn't, this isn't everything I need for life, and this is only temporary. I know that one day it will be done in fullness. The spiritual gifts that uh, we have, what did I do with that piece of paper I had? Oh, there it is. We wrote out some descriptions to some of these spiritual gifts. And uh, I want to walk through them quickly with you. These are gifts that demonstrate the breaking in power of Jesus. There's wisdom, which is speaking truth or the application of biblical instruction into a given situation, which brings clarity to God's voice and affirm his goodwill. There is a way that the, the voice of God can speak into your life in a way that gives you godly wisdom, that gives you instruction, direction, where you know it is him speaking. Some have the gift of knowledge, and this is the capacity to supernaturally perceive revealed knowledge from God, which otherwise could not be known, which reveals the presence and power of Jesus. There are times when those who are praying for you or speaking over you know things that they could not have known because nobody ever told them, and they speak it with such clarity that you're like, how did they know that? It's because the Spirit of Jesus revealed it to them, and they're speaking knowledge into your life. There is faith, the supernatural confidence that God intends to do something and to trust God until he brings it to pass. This is not power of positive thinking. There are just some of you that have the ability to say, God has said this and he will do it and I will not let go. And as you exercise that faith or as someone prays in faith over you, you have faith welling up in you. It is the spirit of Jesus saying to you, I can, I will. There's prophecy. Words to a community or person, either of a predictive nature or a situational word from God to correct, redirect, or exhort his people. Now, all of these things, right, have to be discerned in community and in the word. So we don't go around saying, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. No, that's not what prophecy is. There were Old Testament prophets, and Hebrews says, you know, in former days God spoke to them, but now he speaks through his son, Jesus. But there is a way in which the spirit of Jesus can speak into something that is about to come that gives us insight into what God is going to do or speaks into your life in such a way that receives such a powerful word from God where it is a word of affirmation or encouragement or conviction of sin or of of encouragement. And it comes from the scriptures and it comes from the spirit of God and we discern it in community. 
people who roam around not connected to any church walking around saying, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, we should be very skeptical about that because they're not subject to the word of God in community. But in the community of faith, as we read and pray together, as we listen to God on behalf of each other, as we begin to say, I don't know, but as I'm praying for you, I'm just feeling this. And it may or may not. Sometimes a word of prophecy comes out in a community and it, we don't know right away that it was the breaking in of Jesus, but over time it gets repeated and repeated and affirmed in a number of ways and we start to say, that's God speaking to us. He's saying this. Other times someone's praying for you and they're praying and you know your spirit is just blowing up as they're speaking and you know this is not this person's words. This is the voice of God into my life. When someone speaks a word over you like that, they may not know they're speaking a prophetic word. They just say, you know, I have this picture as I'm praying for you, and it means something. You grab onto it. You know it's of spiritual origin. It's not, it didn't come from them. Healing, the supernatural release of the healing power of Jesus for relief or cure of emotional, physical, and mental illness. We know and have seen, and perhaps you've experienced in various ways in your life, where Jesus reaches in and just touches a body and heals it. Removes sickness. Whatever it is, from anything from cold to cancer, I know people who have been healed from everything in between. And we go to him and say, okay, I know you can. And then there are relationships that are broken that you need healing. There's stuff in your heart that needs healing. There's stuff in your mind that needs healing. We come to Jesus and say, you can and you will. There's the gift of miracles, the releasing of God's supernatural power so that his miraculous intervention is revealed for the purpose of confirming and authenticating the reality of Jesus. Sometimes I just pray for miracles in the lives of people who don't know Jesus so that, that they will believe, so that there will be an evidence of the presence of Jesus there. And then discernment, the ability to see, perceive the presence of good and evil in the spiritual realm. Some have the ability to discern when God is really present with us. Others have the ability to discern when there are evil spirits around. And others have the ability to just discern what's going on in a conversation. There's something hidden. There's something beneath the surface. There's something that's not being said, but that I think is there. Then there's the gift of tongues. Some of this in your, uh, you know, we talk about in a kind of like a, a private prayer language. Some of you maybe have experienced that before. I know when I got prayed for, received the Holy Spirit, suddenly sometimes when I'm by myself, I start praying in a language that I don't understand. Uh, I try not to do that out loud because it weirds me out. But uh, it's just one of those things that this is talking about that there may be times, and this has never happened in our church, but I know it's happened in other churches where literally somebody stands up and speaks in a, either a language they didn't know or another tongue that nobody knows. And then the gift of discernment or interpretation has to come after where someone else stands up and says, I know what that means. So if that ever happens here, we will just say, thank you. Does anyone else have the gift of interpretation? And we say, well, I don't know. I've never had the, I don't, I don't have the gift of interpretation. Well, that's because you never heard someone speak tongues. It's not like you walk around. It's not like you read some book. Uh, you know, what's that, uh, Loretta, uh, Rosetta Stone. You don't know how to, how to do that. It's not how it works. It happens when somebody stands up and says, I just feel this. Now, this is one of those things where we think our prayer meetings is a great lab for this. So in your bulletin, there's a next step for this. Every next step is come to prayer meeting. The prayer meeting is a lab. You think you have tongues? Well, show up there and see what happens. And then you don't know you have the gift of discernment, but suddenly you're like, I know what that guy said. I don't know how I know. I don't know that language. It's a way that God says, you know what? I don't need your carefully constructed ways of speaking to speak to you. I can talk to you however I want. It's the way that Jesus breaks in and begins to speak in power. Every one of these things is a Jesus can and Jesus will. Every time Jesus works in miraculous ways, he is authenticating himself as the Lord of all. And he is saying, this is just a taste of what you're going to get in the life to come. If you get healed in some small way, 
It is just a taste of what it'll be like to have a fully resurrected body that will never decay or rust or break down or get hurt or throw out a disc. Right? If you get, if you get a relational mending and you, you, get, you experience the sweetness of reconnecting with a brother or sister or a spouse and you suddenly sense healing in a relationship, it's just a foretaste of what it'll be like to live in community without conflict, without pride, without fighting. If, if you get a kind of a provision in a healing way where God miraculously provides something for you, that's just a taste of what it'll be like to be in this place where you have no need because everything you have is in him and you feel full and satisfied all the time. Every bit of breaking in of God's miraculous power you get is just a taste of what is and will, to come, will be to come. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite, uh, there's, there's, uh, the worst team's going to come up and there's a few people who are going to be uh, in prayer prayers for you. There's going to be one at the top of the aisle back there, another one at the top of the aisle back there, another pair over here, two at the front, and one down just the hallway there, just uh, on your way out. Um, but don't leave. Um, so it'll be six different places, and there's no magic to it. Just go to whoever's near to you. Maybe you say, oh, I want that person to pray for me, whatever, that's fine. Some of, some of us are elders in the church, and the scriptures say that the elders pray for healing, for God's work on whoever comes to them. But all of us are brothers and sisters, and we all have the opportunity to pray for each other. And so you may want to come forward today, um, especially after we've gone through, you know, these, uh, this series. You may be sitting here and think, I don't know if I've ever experienced the Holy Spirit in my life at all. I, I don't know actually if I've ever come to the point where I've said, Jesus, take over my life. Like, I want you to fill my life. And so maybe you've never done that. I, I know I got to that point once where I did that, and, and the experience that I had was just it unmistakable has remained with me. And so maybe you say, yeah, Holy Spirit, I don't want to fight you or hold back from you. I don't want to stop you from whatever it is that you want to do in my life. So I'm just going to open myself up to you. Maybe you're going to decide today to follow Jesus. You've never really said, yes, I want to do this. And so you can come up for prayer. Some of you, maybe if you've gone through this whole stuff on spiritual gifts, you're like, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't even know where to begin. And just say, I want, I want I want the Spirit to be working in my life. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to hold back God from what he's doing. I need to, I want to know his power in my life. For those of you that say, well, I've been working in this, you know, doing stuff, but I don't feel the Spirit's power. I don't know if what I'm doing is having any impact. I want to know God's power in my life. I want to see what my gifts are. Or maybe you've just had a taste of it and you just want more. You say, I, I want more of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, as we talked about, you know, character and how, Pride gets in the way of us being who we've been called to be, either arrogance or insecurity. And I think every one of us struggles with that in various ways, at various ends of the spectrum. Maybe you just say, yeah, I want pride to be um, struck down in my life. I want to just pray to be free from arrogance, to be free from insecurity, to have the character of Jesus, to have more love in my life. Maybe that's what you feel like you want to pray for. Those of you that want healing, physical, emotional, mental healing to come, and pray. And you can pray for those that are on behalf of people in your life. You can come. People came to Jesus on behalf of others. And then there may be some of you that say, I need a word from the Lord, whatever it is. And you can come up and say, just pray for me, whatever you want. Or you may say, I have something specific, whether it's provision or some kind of inbreaking of God. But here's what I would say is, <coughs> God has more for you than you could think to ask him. So you need to be open to whatever people pray over you. Um, and none of us are Jesus. We're just going to take you to Jesus and say, Jesus, listen to this person, listen to this brother, listen to this sister, and we're going to pray for you. And so the worship team is going to lead us. And whenever you're ready, I'll ask the, guy, the people who are praying to just take your spots.
Um, so two at the back, two at the front, one over here, one over there. Whenever you're ready, just come forward for prayer. And hopefully I've cast a wide enough net that you would know every one of you has something that you could come forward for prayer for. And the worship team's going to lead us. And as you're sitting there and you may not want to come up or whatever, you may want someone next to you to just pray for you. You can just ask the person next to you to pray for you if you want that. But you can just sing and worship with the team as they lead us. Um, and then whenever you're ready, come down. Uh, I just wanted to give you benediction as we close. Um, the thing that came to me while I was praying was just that, uh, you know, when Jesus uh, was raised from the dead and he met with his disciples, he said he, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that that's something that Jesus is doing over and over and over again in our lives. And that for some of us, we kind of are trying to breathe with the breath of the Spirit, but then stuff blocks it like fear or insecurity or whatever. That, so I just want to bless you with the, the freedom in your spirit to breathe in and breathe out the breath of God. You know, that he literally gives us breath to breathe. But that as Jesus breathed on, even Thomas, the confused, skeptical, you know, you made, just made weird jokes, right? It's like, yeah, let's go, so we'll die too. He didn't get it, right? And he doubted, he was afraid. And then Jesus breathed on him. And so I just want to pray that you would receive the breath of God into that you would that it would be free and clear to breathe again the Holy Spirit in and out of your life. Would you receive that?